You're listening to the Mining and Energy Union podcast. Yes, this is the Mining and Energy Union podcast. I'm Tim Brunero. On April 1 this year, April Fool's Day, 1,100 coal miners at pits operated by Warrior Met Coal in Alabama in America went on strike. And they have been ever since. That's nine months and counting. Jeepers. Well, they might have struck on April Fool's Day, but this is no joke. Get this, these workers work 12 hours a day, six days a week, often seven. They're even forced to work holidays. Yeah, talk about rough end of the stick. And understandably, they're sick of it, and so are their families. Have a listen. As a family, when you signed that contract with Warrior Met, your whole family signs that. We work six, seven days a week, 10, 12 hours a day, and you know, you, you miss all this time with your family. Because they're constantly at work, and if they're not at work, they're exhausted, they're tired. When you work six days a week, constantly, it's, it's real hard on you and your family. My family's gone. I don't get to see anybody anymore. These Alabama coal miners tolerated roster changes and cuts to their benefits uh, and so on when times were tough for the operator five years ago or so. And they reckon they've saved in that time about a billion dollars with their sacrifices to paying conditions. But now things are running right. The company wants to keep them working six days a week, 12 hours a day. Fair income. Uh, I thought you'd like to hear a little bit more about this. Uh, Phil Smith is with the United Mine Workers of America, uh, and he joins me from America. Hey, Phil. Hey, Tim. Thanks for having me. Tell us about these mines. Uh, they're, they're quite deep. They're quite gassy. Uh, g- give Set the scene for us. They are. These are the, the deepest mines in North America. They're 2,000 feet or you know, 630 meters or so deep. Um, they uh, want you to go down the elevator to get to the bottom, then you get on a, a man trip and ride another two or three miles underground away from the entrance of the mine to where people work at the coal face or wherever it is in the mine they're going to go work. Um, these are also um, the most gaseous mines uh, in, in North America. They liberate uh, nearly twice as much methane as most other mines do uh, in, in North America. So they are very dangerous. Um, if you've got people underground who don't really know how the mine operates or aren't familiar with, with what can happen at this mine, um, bad things can happen very quickly. Tell us a bit about the history of uh, this particular operator uh, and the sort of recent history of the mine. In 2015, uh, the, the former owner of these mines, a company called Walter Energy, uh, went bankrupt. And they went bankrupt because they had uh, expended uh, almost, well, a little bit over a billion dollars buying other assets uh, in Canada, in Europe, and elsewhere, coal mining assets. Those um, purchases ended up being a failure um, and cost the money, the company a significant amount of money, which caused them to go into bankruptcy. At the same time, uh, there was a worldwide uh, drop in the price of metallurgical coal uh, our brothers and sisters in Australia uh, also suffered through some periods of layoffs and other things then too. But in the United States, that resulted in a series of bankruptcies, uh, including Walter Energy. Uh, while the company was in bankruptcy, uh, it became subject to American bankruptcy laws, which are written uh, specifically to put workers last in the process 
uh, of emerging from that bankruptcy and, and put the, the lenders and the money people first. So um, a group of um, private equity firms, Wall Street private equity firms, uh, came into the bankruptcy situation, announced that they would buy the assets of the company out of bankruptcy um, and uh, open these mines back up. Uh, leading that group was a company called Apollo Global Management. And Apollo is a well-known uh, private equity firm that preys on distressed companies and companies that are in bankruptcy. Um, they, they come in and buy these companies. They, they do what they can to make as much money as fast as they can and then get out uh, and leave the workers and, the, and the, in this case, mines and the communities uh, well behind. During the course of the process of the bankruptcy, uh, Apollo asked the bankruptcy court to first eliminate the retiree health care provisions uh, uh, for some 4,000 retirees, uh, which the bankruptcy court did. Um, it then asked the bankruptcy court to uh, eliminate the need to, the obligation to pay into the, the United Mine Workers Pension Fund uh, to provide pensions for the retirees, the current and the future retirees from, from this employer, which the bankruptcy court did. And then it asked the bankruptcy court to throw out the collective bargaining agreement we had uh, with uh, Warrior, with uh, Warrior, I'm sorry, not Warrior Met, but Walter Energy, um, which the bankruptcy court did. And it, uh, it, it basically for pennies on the dollar, the assumption of the debt that this company had, uh, Alf, uh, uh, the uh, Apollo and its, um, and its partners uh, assumed control of this company, came to the United Mine Workers and said, uh, we're not going to reach an agreement with you based on what you used to have. We're going to reach an agreement with you, if we reach one at all, uh, based on what we tell you we're going to reach. Um, we were able to negotiate a little bit and get it a little bit better from what they had wanted to give us, but the fact is that um, we were confronted with not so much what kind of a contractor we're going to get, but are we going to even have these jobs at all? Um, you know, we were, our members wanted to continue working. Uh, they wanted to continue working union, so they made the decision to accept the terms and conditions that Apollo and its people had put out uh, and go from there. But in the back of our minds, and implicit in these negotiations, was the notion that, okay, we're going to take this now, we're going to see how the company performs, and assuming that it performs well, um, then our sacrifices will be recompensed. Uh, so they went ahead and, and, and got the contract, and, and we went forward from there. This all occurred in 2016, so a little over five years ago. The working conditions at these mines has been atrocious. Um, you know, when you have people from Wall Street or financial people who are making the ultimate decisions about uh, what's going to happen, the first thing they're going to do is say, uh, let's cut as many costs as we can, let's make as much money as we can. Uh, so they cut the cost in the collective bargaining agreement, and then they proceeded to make uh, in revenue $4.3 billion uh, over the past five years. And this, by the way, includes 2020, uh, the, the first year of COVID, uh, when everybody lost money uh, pretty much everywhere. So it's, it's been a profitable venture for Apollo and its partners, um, but it hasn't been one for the workers. Yes, uh, it does uh, seem like a shocker. They are working six days a week, 12 hours a day. I mean, this is just outrageous. Yeah. It is, it, it's, it's different from, you know, many of our, many of our uh, folks um, in other mines have the opportunity to work six days a week if they so choose. 
but normally they're only scheduled for you know for 40 to 48 hours a week. And that's not true at the Warrior Met Mines. But the other thing that's not true at the Warrior Met Mines um, is uh, the opportunity to spend holidays with your family. Um, so what they will do, even though they will they they tell you, for example, that you can have um, uh, you know Independence Day as, as a holiday or Labor Day as a holiday. Uh, when that day rolls around, they will instead schedule, to, schedule you to work and say, well, we're going to give you a day off three, three weeks from now. But right today, you have to work. So what, what does that mean for the worker? That means that his plans for um, to, have a, uh, to be with his family and friend and neighbors, uh, that goes out the window. His family and friends and neighbors still have their, the party on that day, but he can't be there. He has to have his party by himself three weeks later. That you know, obviously that makes no sense, and that's not the way the workers should be treated. So, um, you know, the, it's it's very difficult to m- continue moving forward uh, in this in this way. Let's quickly talk about these private equity characters. I think uh, you've got BlackRock, uh, quite a famous uh, private equity firm, owns about thirteen percent of this uh, Warrior Met entity. Yep. You've got Street. Uh, State Street Global Advisors, 11%. Renaissance, Renaissance Technologies, about 4%. But there's also an Australian connection. Um, L1 Consulting, they own about 5%. They're based here in Melbourne. They are. Uh, they're, it, it's interesting that... Uh, the, I found it very interesting when I found out there was an Australian company, um, uh, financial company, that owned a piece of this. Um, you know, metallurgical coal is a value commodity. A very valuable commodity. It's, it's, you know, there's a lot of it mined in Australia. Uh, there's a lot of it mined in the United States, um, and it looks like this, <laughs> the, the Australian company. I, I wouldn't be surprised to find out that it has some investments in Australian mines as well, uh, and is making some money on both ends of the stick here. Tell us about your simultaneous uh, protest. I think you went to uh, New York City uh, to voice your concerns um, at the headquarters of some of these uh, private equity entities of course they're very hard to get to they're uh, by design uh, up in <laughs> up in literally in um, big glass towers that you can't get to I think there was also a protest here right. in Australia in support of these multiple protests tell us a bit about that we had a a, a day of action uh, in November where we had our members in Boston in New York in Washington DC uh, in, in a small town in, in Pennsylvania uh, called Latrobe Pennsylvania I'm in Denver, Colorado, and in uh, the Los Angeles area in, in California, and also in, in Birmingham, Alabama, in front of the state capitol there. The idea was to protest in front of the um, large financial firms who are the stockholders uh, of, of this company and let them know that we know who they are, we know where they are, um, and we want them to, to use their um, uh, their influence with the company to get them to reach an agreement. Um, in, in Alabama, we were protesting at the state capitol because the Alabama state government has been very, very uh, hostile uh, to our to our members who are on strike. The state police have acted as escorts for the strike breakers who have come in uh, to to take our jobs. They've uh, they've refused to um, take any action against uh, uh, violence that has occurred to us on the picket lines. We've had now eight instances. A vehicular assault where people have driven through our picket lines and hit our members who are, who are standing picket, um, but they're not doing anything about it. So uh, that is obviously a, a major concern for us. Um, but we, we wanted to make sure that you know the Alabama governor knew that we had a concern here, um, 
and also our brothers and sisters from the CFMEU in, in Queensland um, who were unable, unfortunately, the, the original plan had been for them to, to go to Melbourne and, and, and make a protest out in front of L1. We're unable to do that because of the border closures that were in place at that time. Uh, but they did have a, a little rally of their own there in Queensland uh, in support of us, and we were very appreciative of that. Yes, of course, our Queensland president, uh, Steve Smythe, uh, is a passionate supporter of yours. Let's quickly talk about the 1,100 miners. Uh, eight or nine months of striking uh, is no joke. I think you do have some form yeah. of strike pay, and you're even trying to give people, uh, cover people's health benefits if, if they do get sick or their families get sick mm-hmm. in this period uh, what's the mood like I mean it's a it's a it's a it's it's not an easy it's not an easy um, job being on the picket no it's it's not and an, it, it's it's a testament to these members uh, determination to win this battle that they're frankly that they're still on the picket we've uh, the UMWA pays $400 a week to strikers who participate in some sort of strike activity either being on the picket line or helping with the food banks we have set up or, or, or something like that. Um, and, and we pay that bi-weekly, so every two weeks uh, members get an $800 check, um, which obviously is not nearly what they would get if, if they were working at the mine, but it does uh, provide some measure of ability for them to, to pay their mortgage, to pay their rent, um, to, to put some food on the table. Um, we also do provide health care coverage for people who find themselves in a situation where they need to go to the hospital and go to a doctor for, you know, it's, it's really more of a catastrophic plan. It's not, you know, just your daily, your, your normal checkups to see how you are. But, but if you get sick, if you get hurt, if you need to go to the hospital, uh, we, will, we will cover that. And, and so far, uh, the unit has paid out uh, more than $9 million in, in strike benefits and about $2.5 million in health care benefits for our members who have been on strike here. So uh, we, we, we don't want to leave people behind. Uh, we're making sure that our members can continue to be as healthy as possible and their families. Um, but at the same time, uh, it would be a heck of a lot better if if, uh, if they were getting their pay from the company and the company was covering their health care benefits like they should be. Let's quickly talk about what's happening at the mine. Uh, I believe that there are some environmental uh, issues, uh, some uh, runoff uh, wastewater runoff into local creeks in Alabama has increased. Uh, your concern that's because the people who are currently working the mine just aren't up to the same standard, just don't have the skills of the 1100 strike, uh, striking coal miners. No, well, that, that's right. There, there have been an, at least one incident that we're aware of uh, where, where uh, mine uh, waste water effluent has flowed into some of the freshwater creeks around the, the, the mine and into the into the river that uh, it is uh, kind of feeds central Alabama, um, and and this is uh, this has occurred uh, at least one time that we know of, um, and and fouled the water, killed fish, um, and, and the reason for this is that you know the, the the people who are who are responsible for making sure that doesn't happen aren't working there right now. Um, they have inexperienced people who aren't don't know this mine, not even from the area. You know, they're coming from other parts of the United States to come take these jobs and only on a temporary basis because after they get down there and they're there for, you know, a week or two, they decide, ah, we don't really want to be working here. This is this is not a, a, a safe situation, so they leave. So the the, the rotation of, um, of new workers coming into these mines is pretty significant. Um, you know, the, the, the bosses are working, uh, but they're doing jobs that they probably haven't done for you know, 15 or 20 years. Um, so the, the, the it's, it's a bad situation 
both from an environmental standpoint, but also from a safety standpoint. As I put, as I pointed out earlier, uh, when you got people in these in these mines who, who don't aren't familiar with how they need to operate these mines, who aren't familiar with the, with the differences that these mines have uh, from other mines that they may have worked with in the past, uh, you're really setting it's a recipe for disaster. Is it true that rather than meeting with their current workforce, Warrior Met is uh, running around to job fairs in other states trying to recruit uh, yes. strike breakers? They are. They've been in West Virginia and Kentucky and Virginia and the Midwest, Indiana and Illinois, uh, even out west. They've even put billboards up in parts of West Virginia and telling, you know, telling people to come down to Alabama and come to work for Warrior Met Coal. Never do they mention uh, that there is a strike situation going on down there. So that's one of the reasons, I, as I mentioned earlier, people who do come down all of a sudden find themselves in the middle of a, of a rather nasty strike and they don't want any part of that, so they turn around and go back home. Um, but, you know, and that, frankly, um, one, of the, one of the issues we're having in the United States is with the current coal prices, uh, every, pretty much every experienced coal miner who wants a job has a job. Um, so they're, they're having a hard time finding people uh, who, who, who are experienced miners who want to come down and go to work. That's why one of their mines, they've only been operating one of the two mines that they have, and they can't find the people to safely operate the other one. You're listening to the Mining and Energy Union podcast. I'm Tim Brunero. Uh, good to be with you. Talking to Phil Smith. Um, he sure. is with the United Mine Workers of America. Uh, if people are minded to, how can they support you, Phil? Either through sending, uh, you know, some cash, uh, a few shekels um, to support those um, 1,100 uh, people on strike, um, or by uh, protesting or writing letters. How can people get involved? Well, I, I think the best way for people to get involved is, is, is to, if they can, contribute to the strike fund. Uh, we have one uh, set up that, that people can do that. Uh, it's on our website at uh, umwa.org. Um, uh, you know, we've every dime that goes into the strike aid fund um, goes right back out to the membership. Um, we don't. There's no administrative fees. There's nothing else that that we collect for that. So. And that would be of a, a, a great help, especially at this time of year, at Christmas time, uh, as they're trying to figure out how to make a nice Christmas for their families. Well, Phil, uh, best of luck, uh, and please pass on our best wishes from Australia uh, to those affected miners. Uh, very good to talk to you uh, today. Well, thank you very much, Tim, and and, uh, and I hope uh, all the listeners have a happy holiday and a, and a good new year. Well, there you go. That was Phil Smith with the United Mine Workers of America talking about those 1,100 coal miners in Alabama who've been on strike for nine months. It's just incredible, isn't it? Uh, making people work six days a week, 12 hours a day. I mean, fair income. Well, that's all we've got time for today. You've been listening to the Mining and Energy Union podcast. I'm Tim Brunero. Talk to you next time.